that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, what natural bread is to the physical body, the Word of God is to your spirit. Amen? Brother Hagen had many, many years ago came out with a devotional called uh, faith, food. faith Food. Say Faith Food. Now, the Word of God produces faith. Every time we get into the Word of God, you cannot separate faith from the Word of God any more than you can separate wet from water. Because every time you read the Word of God or hear the Word of God, faith is a byproduct of the Word of God. Now, how many of you know it's not good to have a word deficiency? <laughs> Amen? It's good to have the Word of God in, a, in abundance to the full till it overflows on the inside of us. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you or your electronic devices or just the screen up front uh, to go over to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Father, I thank you today for this message you put on my heart. Lord, you birthed this message inside my spirit just a few weeks ago, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share this with the people that are here today, Father. We ask you, Lord, to fill us with wisdom and with revelation. Open the eyes of our understanding in Jesus' name and all that agreed said. Amen. Amen. There, here's a scripture, actually one of my favorite verses of scripture in the entire Bible, and it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. In verse 9, and we'll kind of launch off from this particular scripture and go into this series here today. Now, we'll have to say this, and I say it from time to time, but there are thousands of subjects that, that we could teach on in a church service. How many of you know that? There's all kinds of subjects. But I'm not interested in just pulling a rabbit out of the hat, so to speak, you know, and picking a, a topic at random. I want the mind of God. I want the wisdom of God. I want His mind on what I am supposed to share. Amen? And I've always endeavored to follow that pattern in my life because if we teach on what He wants us to teach on, there's an anointing for it. And this is one of those subjects as, as far as I'm concerned. Amen? Second Chronicles 16.9, the Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Well, I guess we can see from this scripture that God has eyes, right? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. For what purpose? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. We'll stop right there. Now, isn't that it? How many of you ever heard this verse before? I mean, what a powerful verse of scripture. The eyes of God are searching the entire earth. Now, nobody can do that except God. But he's able to see every single person at the same time on the planet. Billions of people. At the same time, he sees the condition of people's hearts. Sometimes that can be good. Sometimes that can be bad. But, you know, the whole reason that we're in church is because we want to learn more about God. The very fact that you are in church today tells me that you have a heart towards God. Because people that don't have a heart towards God don't even make an effort to come to church. Do you understand that? So he says right here, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those 
Notice this, whose heart is perfect towards him. Now, what I want to say here is this. What constitutes a perfect heart? What constitutes, what makes up, as far as God is concerned, a perfect heart? Now, sometimes the way to find out what something is is to find out what it isn't. Okay? Now, I wrote down here, God is not looking for perfect people, but people that have their hearts bent towards Him. In fact, there are no perfect people ever since Adam in the Garden of Eden. Every person that you read about in the Old Testament and the New Testament were not perfect. The only perfect person I know of ever was the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect, He's the only one that ever kept the whole law, never broke one commandment, completed it all. <laughs> Amen? Jesus was the only perfect human that ever walked this earth. Everybody else is flawed. In fact, you, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of encouraging sometimes because you realize that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The Bible says that. And, and you read about people that God used in the Bible and you think, God, didn't you have a better choice here? <laughs> I mean, look at some of the characters that he chose. And look at some of the flaws that they have that are written down in a book for the whole world to see. Right? I mean, Moses was certainly not flawless. Right? He killed somebody, had them buried in the sand, right? I mean, you look at Abraham, you know, he lied about his wife, said it was his sister, okay? You look at David, who committed adultery, what, with another man's wife, right? And then he had to cover it up. He had her husband killed to try to cover up. And yet God says that David was a man after God's heart. Think about that. And so that encourages me to realize these, are, these were not flawless individuals. These are, these are flawed individuals. But let me tell you this. God is not looking for a perfect person. He's looking for a, per, a perfect heart towards Him. Okay? And I'll tell you, you can have all the problems. I'll tell you, I love it when people come in and they have problems. Because God wants to fix those problems. God wants to help us with those issues, whether it's physical, marital, financial. God wants to fix people's problems. Amen. And uh, that's the kind of Savior that we have. So when it says that the eyes of God are running to and fro throughout the whole earth, He's looking for people that have a heart, that are, a heart that's bent towards Him. Did you ever notice that people, there's, there, there are people that are in this world that, are, that make a mockery of God, that don't believe that God exists. How many of you know that? And the Bible even says in Psalm 53, verse 1, it says, a fool hath said there is no God in his heart. Do you know many fools out there? <laughs> there are people, atheists. Now, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you, you get somebody that's an atheist, and they're in the military, for example. Okay, say, so, I don't believe in that God stuff. I don't believe in God, you know. And then they don't believe in Jesus. They think he's, you know, he might have been a good man that lived years ago. They don't believe he's the son of God. There are people that believe that, you know. And they say, I'm an atheist. But you put them in the midst of a foxhole in the middle of a war and bullets are flying at them. All of a sudden they start to cry out to God. <laughs> Why is it? Because something in them knows there's something other than just them. 
Okay? Now, it's interesting because in Romans, we won't turn there, but in Romans chapter 1, it says in verse 20 that God, that man is without excuse. Man, humanity is without excuse because the things that are of, that are of the invisible, that we see the things that God created. Okay? In other words, when you see what God has created all around you, Something in you will tell you there has to be a creator. This was not a big bang. Okay. I did. I like this bumper sticker. I saw it years ago and it said, I believe in the big bang theory. God spoke it and bang, there it was, you know. There might have been a big bang. I don't know. When God speaks, I mean the universes come. Amen. And, and, and so none of this stuff is by accident. I mean, you look at the, the, the world that we live in. You look at the planet that we live on. And you look at the beauty of the, 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 the sky and the, the stars and the trees and the flowers. And I mean, just to name a few things. There's no way that that was an accident. Okay? Now, behind this screen right here, some of you might be able to see partial. There's a, there's a painting back there. Okay? It's not the most beautiful painting you've ever saw. But I mean, when you look at that, you would never come to the conclusion when you see that painting. There's, I don't see any other ones in here. That's the only one back there. But you would never come to the conclusion when you see that painting that that was just an accident. Somebody sneezed and there it was. Would you? Now, when you see that painting, somebody created that painting. Now, they're not here. You don't see them. But you know, because you're intelligent, you would never look at that thing and say, that was just an accident. Something blew up and there it came. Okay? So nobody's without excuse. Every human being on this earth has a God. There's something inside of them that says, God is real. This is not a mistake. This didn't just happen. I mean, I could go on and on and on. The human body, oh my goodness, the eyeball, the way your eyes work. There's no scientist that could create something like that. Not even the finest cameras and 4K cameras that they have nowadays on even phones and stuff like that are not as good as the human eye. Right? The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. I mean, look at how your body functions in harmony with each other. Look at how your heart works, how your lungs work, how your blood flows through your body. We, we sometimes take that for granted. We just don't stop and think about it. But, I mean, you're a walking miracle. Amen. But see, do you know you can get acclimated and used to the supernatural where you think, eh, Israel did. Israel saw the, the Red Sea split down the middle. Stop and think about that. Off of the beach of Nueva, on the western side of Saudi Arabia, is the exact spot where they crossed over. Did you know that on the bottom of the Red Sea where they crossed, there are still <coughs> chariot wheels, horse skeletons, where, where God drowned the Egyptians in the Red Sea? Do you know that stuff is still littered all over the Red Sea at this one spot? Okay? 
Now, I don't have to believe, I don't have to see that or hear that too. I love biblical archaeology. I'm a huge fan of it, okay? Because it, it, it validates what we believe anyway in the Word of God. But some people need to see that kind of stuff. Amen? But see, they, the Israelites saw the supernatural, saw the Red Sea split, drown their enemies. They saw the rock of Horeb split. Moses struck it with his, his walking stick that God used, even in Egypt, for the signs and the wonders. And when he struck the rock, the rock split down the middle and water gushed out. That rock is still there, the rock of Horeb. I have pictures of it, okay? And there's, over there they get about one inch of rain per year, not even one inch of rain, half an inch of rain I think it is. But there's signs of tremendous water erosion on this rock when it came out that filled. This wasn't like a little water fountain like out here in the hallway. This fed two million plus Israelites plus all their cattle and livestock. It was a lake. Okay? All those things are still there. Okay? Now, Israel, all the miracles and the signs and the wonders and, and, and then the manna. Remember they needed food? There's no malls out there. Where are they going to get food? There's no food court. God provided manna every single day. Manna from heaven. Food from heaven. Bread from heaven. They came down every morning. And they'd go out there and gather it up. And eat the manna. They got to the point where they said, We're tired of this light bread. That's what they said. Now they got acclimated to the supernatural that it became commonplace. Now, how many of you know we don't want to get, we don't want to have a heart like that? They saw the miraculous. They saw the signs and the wonders, the miracles, and yet their heart got hardened towards God. And they kept saying, can God furnish a table for us in the wilderness? Well, duh. <laughs> what do you think he's been doing? He's been providing all along. Provided their water, provided their food. And get this, their clothing didn't wear out for 40 years. Bless the Lord. How would you like to wear the same thing for 40 years? <laughs> that means no expansion, you know what I'm saying. But the Bible teaches us that God kept them, He fed them, He gave them drink, He gave them food, and He kept their, their clothing, and it didn't wear out for 40 years. My goodness, super, say the supernatural. Now, we never want to get acclimated to the supernatural to the point where it's like old hat. It's like, you know what I'm saying? We need, to, we need to always maintain, folks, this is just human nature. We always need to maintain a respect and a fear of God. And that's wholesome. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we always need to keep that before us. But the Bible says in Psalm 53, verse 1, it says, the fool hath said there's no God in his heart. There's no God. So what constitutes a perfect heart? Let's go over to uh, Proverbs chapter 3 for a minute here. Now the name of our subject here, and you might think this is a little off kilter here, but we're talking about vertical worship. Okay, and I'll, I'll clarify that in a minute. Vertical worship. How many of you know vertical is up? <laughs> Horizontal is a cross. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about here. So we're talking about what constitutes a perfect heart. 
In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, the scripture says here, Trust in the Lord with half of thine heart. What's it say there? Okay. Let's read it together. Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. Say it again. Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. I suppose if you can trust the Lord with all of your heart, you can trust Him with half of your heart. But we don't want to be half-hearted towards God. We want to be fully committed to Him. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. How do you do that? Well, it goes on to say, Do not lean to your own understanding, your intellect, and all your ways acknowledge Him. Now, underline that. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. And it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Now that's where the life force comes out of the bone marrow. Okay? He says if you do these things, he said it will be life. He said it will be health to your navel and marrow to thy bones. No, that's good stuff. Health. Divine health. Now, Here's what I want to talk about. We're talking about a heart that's perfect towards God is a heart that doesn't lean to your own understanding, to your intellect. How many of you know that can try to get in the way sometimes? Amen? See, uh, in, church, in the church world, people have succumbed to entertainment rather than getting their spirits fed. The church, a lot of churches have, have succumbed to that, where they're just being entertained, you know, tell a funny story, right? Uh, I was preaching for someone one time, and they said, they told me, they said, make sure you say something funny when you're up there. And you'll keep their attention. I didn't last long in that place. <laughs> Amen. Now, I don't, I don't try to be funny, but sometimes humor comes out. I really don't. I never purposed. I never purposed to be funny, but sometimes the Lord just th- does something like that. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says, "Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path." Okay. So, if you, someone that has a heart bent towards God, is going to be a person that wants to trust in the Lord with all of their heart. The only struggle that exists in your life and in my life is the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Your spirit wants to pray, but your flesh sometimes doesn't want to pray. Right? Your spirit wants to get into the Word of God, where your flesh says, eh, I don't have time for that. Your flesh says, I'm going to stay home today and watch television instead of come to church. But your spirit says, get up, put your clothes on, and get to church this morning. Thank you for those three amens back there. Amen. How many of you know that your flesh has a voice and your spirit has a voice? But you know, you're never going to grow spiritually unless you let your spirit, man, guide you and direct you. There are times I have to say, Brother Keith, drag yourself into the prayer closet. It's time to pray right now. Okay? And that way, my spirit is controlling my body instead of my body controlling my spirit. Our last series was from the inside out, right? 
And so God lives in your spirit. He lives in you. If you're born again, you're a child of God. God lives on the inside of your spirit. And he will help you and direct you. And, and, and I've learned in my, just in my years in ministry, I've been in the ministry since 1986. Okay? Actually, before that, actually, 1982, I was being trained for the ministry. But I found that the flesh is still the flesh. People are still people. The devil is still the devil. And the, the devil is a flesh devil. And the only way he can defeat people is to keep them out of the Word, keep them out of church, to keep them out of the things of God. And, and if he's got them in that flesh position, he can defeat them every single time. He can whip them every single time. See, the devil doesn't just come and appear in a red suit and horns and a pitchfork and say, I'm the devil and I'm coming to get you. He's more subtle than that. Amen? He comes to steal the word of God that was sown in your heart. Jesus talked about that in Mark, in Matthew, or Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower. He said, these are likewise they that hear the word. When they've heard the word, Satan comes immediately to try to take away the word of God that was sown in their hearts. When you hear the word of God, the devil doesn't want, he knows that's a, that's, a, that's a problem to his kingdom. You're a threat to him. But don't let that stop you. The enemy can't stop any believer unless we permit him to. We don't want to give him any place. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. You say, Pastor, what if I miss it, if I mess up? Listen, we've all been there and done that. Just get, say, Father, forgive me. 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sin, you're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Pick yourself back up and get right back in. Amen. Get right back in the race. Glory to God. Amen. I know when I first started driving a vehicle, when I started driving a vehicle in the 70s, these were big vehicles. <laughs> Do you remember that back in the 70s? And my, I mean, my dad never had a car that was no less than a four-barrel engine. And what does that mean? Power. <laughs> you know, and the front end of that that car was like from here back to Joshua. It seemed like not that long, but it was it was long. It was like a school bus. You know what I'm saying? But I remember when I started driving, I I hit a few curbs, I made some mistakes, but you know what? I didn't give up and throw the towel in and say, ah, forget it. I'll never master this. I just decided, you know, I'm gonna. I'd have made some mistakes, you know, and even to this day, sometimes I make mistakes. You know what I'm saying? My wife does all the time. <laughs> there she goes again. <laughs> you know, you have to get that in there sometimes. You just kind of fool around and have a good time, right? Praise the Lord. But my point being is this, is that, you know, when you make mistakes in the natural, you just say, all right, we'll do better next time, you know. Now, if you make a mistake in the spirit realm, you know, like, you know, Melissa, praise God, you stepped out and you spoke and you prophesied this morning. That was the anointing on you. That was a blessing, okay? But, you know, sometimes when you first start out doing that, and I know she's done that before, but sometimes if you, you know, you step out in your own prayer closet and you start to prophesy, you know, you might make a mistake, but don't let that hold. You just keep going forward. God's pleased with that. Amen? I'd rather be a, a wet water walker than to sit back in the boat with everybody else. But Peter jumped out of the boat, walked over. Yeah, he, he sank and so forth. What about the other disciples? What about the other 11? They sat back and did nothing. They were in the safe zone. They stayed back there. So don't be afraid of making a mistake. We all make mistakes. But you know what? 
just get up and just go forward and try, and God will help you. He will be there to help you. Amen? I don't know that I've ever had a perfect sermon yet. I don't think so. I can think of ways every week how I could have improved things or did things differently, you know. But you know what? I don't care because I'm, I'm just, it's a no-holds-bar situation. I'm going for it. And there's a, there's a lot of things sometimes that try to come against ministers to try to hold them back. Amen? One of them is the fear of man. Okay? Well, I don't want to hold back something. If, even if I feel afraid or feel fear, I'm not going to hold back anything that's going to be a blessing to you. My goal today on my daytimer, how can I be a greater blessing to the body of Christ here today? That's what thrills my heart, to be able to share something with you that will help you in the, in the day in which you live right now. So he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lead your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Let's go back to that verse of scripture for a second. And in Psalm 53 verse 1 it says, the fool hath said there is no God in his heart. Sometimes even as believers, we have to be careful because even though we're born again and washed in the blood of Jesus, Sometimes we're just not as God conscious as we should be in every day of life. We're not. Sometimes we become more aware, that's maybe a better word, aware, conscious of the flesh, of the natural, of the problems that we're facing. There's not a person in this room right now that's not facing some type of challenge. That's not a word of knowledge, it's just the truth. Everybody in this room has challenges in the natural. Right? Am I right? All right. We all have different things that we have, to, we have to deal with. Some of it's family issues, you know. Some of it's financial. You know, some of it's a physical challenge that, that you might have, you know. There's all, all kinds of challenges. But I'm telling you, if we acknowledge God... In all of our ways. That's what it says. Trust in the Lord. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways. I want to live my life as if Jesus, because He is, He's not just beside me, He's in me. <laughs> and I want to be aware of Him everywhere I go. Praise God. Amen. To be God conscious is the most exciting life that there is. I don't know who, well, it came from the enemy. Said, oh, if you're a Christian, you know, things aren't, you don't enjoy life anymore. Things aren't exciting. That's the biggest lie that he's ever told people. Let me tell you something. When you serve God, it's the greatest joy. It's the greatest thrill that there ever could be. I'm talking, you're fellowshipping with a God that created the universe. And he's talking with you. He's fellowshipping with you. Amen. Let's get out of the flesh. Let's get out of the soul realm. Okay? Let's get out of that. Get out of that stinking thinking. Okay? I'm saying this by the Spirit of God. Let's get out of the natural. Let's get out of the flesh. Let's quit thinking about natural things all the time. Let's, let's start thinking. It says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things that are from above, where Christ setteth at the right hand of God the Father. Set your affections on things above, Colossians 3.1. Not on things on this earth, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus was boring to hang out with? 
Well, that's not the way I was brought up because when I was brought up, you know, my, in my Methodist church, my dead Methodist church, that's what it was at the time, it was. They didn't believe in the new birth. They were religious, but they were not born again. Especially the pastor that was there was against the new birth, against the Holy Ghost. Oh, my goodness. Thank God he didn't last there because he chose it as a profession, not as a call. I won't go into the details there, but oh, it was a mess, absolute mess. What was I saying? There's a, there's a point I was going to make here, and I just lost my train of thought here. It'll come back to me. Holy Ghost, quicken it back to me. The fool has said there is no God in his heart. We don't want to live our lives and act like God's. There are certain things. There are certain things I won't do because I know God's with me. That's what keeps me holy. There are certain things I will not say because I know that God is with me. Amen? There are certain movies that I will not watch because God is with me. Someone says, dude, that sounds like bondage. No, it's freedom. Okay? Do you know how many people's lives have been shipwrecked because they saw the wrong thing? They were introduced to the wrong thing. They heard the wrong thing, saw the wrong thing. The wrong example was set before them. And there's seeds, and those seeds get on the inside of people. But what we want to do is we want to keep the right stuff. And like I said, God is not looking for perfect people, but He's looking for people that have a heart towards Him. And I've always said this, you know, I don't care. I'm not looking for a church full of people that are perfect, that are flawless. I'm not. I don't care if people come in next week. We have 150 people show up here next week, and they've got all kinds of problems, natural, physical, spiritual, <laughs> you know, all kind of problems, addictions, whatever. I don't care. That doesn't bother me. What I want to see is if that person has a heart bent towards God, God will meet them. He's a master at taking people that are just messed up and they're with their lives and so forth. He's a master at taking those people and transforming them and changing them. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I know because I'm lo you're looking at a person that was really messed up. Okay? And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And still to this day. But I tell you what, when I get up in the morning, I'm leaning on God. I'm leaning on Him. You can get to the point where it's like a subconscious decision you make. Say, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to lean on you, Lord. Lean. Yield. I'm going to yield myself to you. Lean on you. That is the safest place you could ever be is when you lean on Him. You see, people, folks, that are full of pride, they think, I'm a self-made man or I'm a self-made woman. I can do it myself. I don't need all that stuff. That's a crutch. Well, we'll see how far that gets them, okay? We were never meant to lean entirely upon ourselves. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to have confidence in ourselves. We need to have faith in ourselves. But really, it's the God that lives on the inside of us that helps us, okay? 
The safest place you could ever be in life is you're leaning on him. Lord, I'm trusting you. There's so many times during the day, I don't even count. I'll just say, Lord, I'm trusting you right now in this situation right now. It could be anything. I could be walking in Walmart somewhere and I walk in there and instead of just me going in there and traipsing my way around, I'll say, Father, I'm acknowledging you right now in Walmart or Target or whatever else. Okay? And when I acknowledge him, he can set something up where I'm able to touch somebody, minister to somebody. Some of the greatest revivals still have taken place in like Walmarts and Targets and out there in the marketplace where people are, where people are hurting. Glory to God. So if we, we begin to lean on Him and trust in Him. And so, in conclusion today, what constitutes a perfect heart? Number one, a heart that believes in God. Remember the, the eyes of the Lord look throughout the whole entire earth to show Himself strong. God wants to show Himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards Him. In other words, those that have a heart towards Him. God wants to show Himself strong in your part. Would you like that? You can say amen. God wants to show Himself strong to every single person in this, in this church right now. Thank you, Lord. So what constitutes a, a, a perfect heart? Number one, a heart that believes in God. Say, I believe in God. Amen. Now, every day, even, at, even though you do believe in God, you're a believer, don't forget that. Okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I believe in God. There are certain places I won't go. There are certain things I won't watch. There are certain people I won't get around. Amen. Because it will affect my spirit. Okay? Now, if God tells me to go minister to somebody, you better believe. I'm not, I, don't, I don't care if they're in the lowest ditch that you can ever think of. I will go there. Amen? I will do that. Make no mistake about it. I will do that. But I've noticed that the more I become God conscious, that's the, the perfect recipe for walking in holiness. Say Holiness. Now, that's not a real popular subject in a lot of churches nowadays. But it's all throughout the Bible. Holiness. Okay? The Lord said, be holy even as I am holy. Amen? Praise God. That means you're, you're separated, you're sanctified, you're set apart. Praise God. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. Isn't it? That doesn't mean you're better than everybody else. It just means you're, you know, sanctified means to be, you take it and you separate it and you put it over here. It's only used for one purpose. You're sanctified. You're set apart. God has set you apart for his purposes. Okay? Folks, there's going to come a time when your spirit is going to leave your body and you're going to check out of this natural realm. Boom. And you're a Christian. You'll be instantly in the presence of Jesus. All of a sudden, you'll realize that the flesh wasn't all that important. What we think is important down here is really not that important up there. Okay? So we want heaven's perspective on everything that we do. It's almost like in some 
circles nowadays, you, they've, they've banned the word holiness when it's all throughout the Bible. Are you with me? You know, I just came across something this past week, and I was, I guess I could say I was a little bit shocked by it. <laughs> Not really surprised. But, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of new churches that are cropping up, and they're starting in the south, actually, in Florida, and then also in North Carolina right now. They're starting, and they're, they're called brewery churches. Yeah. Look it up. They're on there. It's, look it up on the Internet. They're called brewery churches. And what they have is they have about 20 different types of beers, that, and it's, it's in the foyer of the church. Okay? And the people come and they drink, not, not during church, but before church and after church. They open up the pub, so to speak, you know, to try all these different beers and alcohol. And, uh, and people are flocking to those places. Can you imagine that? I thought it was a big deal when they had coffee in the, before church, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but now you got, and I thought, boy, the devil's so stupid that he's trying stuff like this, you know, to try to accommodate people and, and uh, but let me tell you something, that's the, pa- that's the pathway that's paved to hell, something like that. You know what I'm saying? That people are opening up these kind of, to these kinds of things like in the name of church. Okay? You don't ever have to worry about that in our church. Amen? Okay? Now, we, we believe in being drunk in the Spirit. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen? You can get so drunk in the Spirit, I'm telling you, that's biblical, that's real, and that's good. Okay? You become less. Why do people drink anyway? They become I don't want to be so self-conscious. I want to become more free. Right? Well, when you get drunk on the Holy Ghost, you're not going to do something stupid. You're going to be such a blessing. I mean, people be tripping over themselves to get to you because of what What's on the inside of you? Praise God. So what constitutes a perfect heart? A heart that believes in God. And number two, a heart that it will acknowledge God in all their ways. Okay? So there, in other words, if God is in the forefront of your thinking, there are certain things that you, that you know that you won't get involved with. Because it goes against the Bible. It goes against the Word of God. Okay? Are you with me? Now go over to Second Chronicles here. I want to show you something in Second Chronicles. Back there in the Old Testament. Do you want to have a heart towards God more? Now, folks, when I'm saying this, I'm not saying, trust me, I'm not saying you don't have a heart towards God. You do. Okay? But I'm saying this to just be an encouragement to you and to me and to all of us that are here today. This could be a life changer today, what I'm sharing with you today. Okay? A heart towards God. I started to have a heart towards God when I was a teenager. Now, I certainly didn't have a godly example. Now, my parents were religious. And that's about it. But they weren't, they weren't even born again until after I was, you know. Um, but there, there, there was something in me. I remember right out of high school, for example. Now, I got a job driving a truck, a pickup truck for a mining company. 
back when the mines, and they're starting to come back, praise the Lord, you know. But driving for a mining company in West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, and I would drive miles and miles and miles in, in this truck delivering parts to mines, especially in West Virginia, okay? And I would go down into the deep southern part of West Virginia, and I, like I said, I was right out of high school. I was young, you know, 18, 19 years old, and I had gotten saved in 1976, all right? But I didn't know a whole lot. But I remember going in that truck. This is back when, before they had all the different stuff in the trucks. It was just an AM radio in my truck, you know. And I'm driving down into southern West Virginia, you know, on Route 19. If you've ever been on Route 19 down there. And, and uh, back before all the major highways, okay, these are like dirt roads and stuff, you know. And I found myself, this might sound a little strange to you, that I'm driving down the road in West Virginia, beautiful. And I had never seen beauty like that. I mean, we really didn't, as, and when I was growing up, our vacations were like, go to the Monongahela River or something. You know what I'm saying? That was like, we didn't do much. You know what I'm saying? I never saw the beach until I graduated from high school. We were a sheltered bunch of people. My parents just didn't do a whole lot. You know what I'm saying? And... Uh, they just they were just homebodies, you know what I'm saying? It's just the way it was. And uh, but I remember driving down in southern West Virginia on a beautiful spring day in my truck, and I was looking at the mount. I mean, some beautiful mountains. I mean, that song "Almost Heaven," West Virginia. That song, remember that, <laughs> John Denver, and. And I remember just looking at that, and I felt the presence of God. I was out there, just me and my truck and God. And I remember looking at those hills and mountains and valleys and streams. I mean, I'm, I'm back in there, okay? And it literally many times would bring tears to my eyes. I would, I would just start, it wasn't a sad joy, it, was, it wasn't a sad cry, it was a happy, joyful, like, oh God, thank you for this beautiful day, thank you for these, you know, and uh, because other, somebody else could drive down the same road in a different pickup truck and look at that and say, yep, that's nice, that's really nice, that's cool, and not even think twice about it. But see, there was something in my heart Looking back now, it was bent towards God. I believed in God. He was in my life. But when I saw what He created, and it's not even in a perfect form, it's still there's a curse on the earth, you know what I'm saying, because of Adam. But even still, there's still such beauty, right? And when I saw those and the wildflowers and all the different things, so many different times, I don't know if I've ever shared this before. It would bring me to tears, but it was a happy, joyful thing. Because when I saw what I saw, I realized how, how real God really was. That my Father created all that stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now I can put it to words. I didn't Back then, I didn't know what it was. I was just like, wow. I was overwhelmed. You know what I'm saying? And... Uh, you know, it, it doesn't take much to bring me joy. I can tell you that right now. All I could take is one little thing, and it just, it just thrills my heart, okay? So other people, they take those things for granted. 
like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, we live back there, you know. But they take it for granted. But I don't. When I stand next to a mountain or I stand next to the ocean and I see that, I think, oh, God, my Father, you made all this. Hallelujah. Now, of course, we don't worship creation. We're not supposed to do that. We worship the God that made everything, right? There are people that worship those things. They worship rocks and mountains and stones and everything else. No, 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 no. God created those things for you and for me, for our enjoyment. Did you know God created the beaches of the world and all these different things for our enjoyment? He did. Why else would they be there? Okay. Do you think when we get to heaven, we're just going to be sitting on a fluffy cloud up there plucking a harp <laughs> the whole time and saying hallelujah for a million years? I would think it's better than that. In fact, it is much better than that. Amen? I know people that have gone there and have come back, and nobody has words, human words to describe it, just how gorgeous and how beautiful and how wonderful it really truly is. It's the real deal. There is no such thing in heaven as boredom and sadness and sorrow. There is no such thing. He wipes away every tear. Well, folks, we can have heaven on earth now. Amen. And it's about time that we start experiencing heaven on earth right now. The Bible says that we can experience days of heaven upon the earth. And that was in the Old Testament when he told the Israelites to go into the promised land. He said, your days will be multiplied and you'll experience days of heaven upon the earth. That's Old Testament. How much more can you and I experience days of heaven on the earth? Amen. Days of heaven on the earth are days of free from sickness and disease and pain. Days of heaven on earth are days that you have abundant provision in your household. Days of heaven on earth are where you can enjoy your family and enjoy your friends. Hallelujah. Just like we are right now in this church. You know, we all come from different backgrounds, all of us here in this church, different states, different backgrounds. But when we're here, we're a family. We're one. Look around, brothers and sisters. Okay? Now here's a guy, his name is King Asa. But he had some problems. And we'll close here. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, starting in verse 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, and verse 12. And Asa... In the thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet. Did you notice that? Now, I don't know what kind of a disease he had. I don't know if it's bad athlete's feet or whatever the case is. He says, he was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceedingly great. That became pretty serious, right? Notice the next phrase. Yet in his disease he sought not uh, he sought not to the Lord, but to the, but the physicians. And Asa died with his fathers. He slept with his fathers and died one in the 40th year of his reign. King Asa. Now, remember that scripture. And I'll, I'll kind of tie this together. In all your way, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yes. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God. And he will direct your path. 
King Asa did not acknowledge the Lord, which means he could have, but he chose not to. He didn't acknowledge the Lord in all of his disease. It, it, it said he didn't seek God. He sought the physicians. Now, folks, I'm not, it is not wrong to go to a doctor. If God directs you to do that, do it. Just follow his spirit. Amen. But in this situation right here, King Asa, in all of his situation here, his disease progressed. It digressed. He got worse and worse and worse. And he just kept seeking the physicians. And it says, yet in all his disease, he didn't seek the Lord, but the physicians. He, and the end result was, he kicked the bucket. <laughs> he died. Okay? As people say. He, he, he left. He left this earth. I believe that he had a choice, but he made the wrong choice. He didn't consult the Lord. When something knocks at your door, sickness, disease, the curse, anything tries to knock at your door, you can go one way or the other way. Okay? You can go towards man and the flesh, or you can say, God, what do you have to say about this situation right here? What do you, what do you have to say about this, Lord? Amen? When I was, the very first time years ago, when I was faced with uh, a physical challenge that I'd never faced before, very dangerous, a lot of people left this earth with the same problem, that I had a, a blood vessel burst in my brain about six, seven years ago. And uh, my whole left side was affected by it. My whole left side it happened on a Christmas Eve service. Some of you remember that. Christmas Eve service, okay? I still came and preached that day too, which is a miracle. But without going into great detail, I remember that the leading surgeon of, of uh, Presbyterian Hospital, the leading brain, leading brain surgeon came in after running all kind of tests and they wanted to, they wanted to put me under, under and have surgery and open my, cut through my skull and, do surgery on my brain, okay? And they brought the date, the, the secretary brought, the nurse brought in the date books, started to sign me up for when I was going to do this. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a second here. I need some time to think about this. And they're pushing, they're pushing, they're pushing, okay? Now I've got these symptoms going on in my body, okay, that I've never had before in my life. But here's what I wanted to bring out is that the devil will try to push you and force you into situations where you think you don't have a choice. Like your back's up against the wall. I don't, I can't, there's, this is only one way, there's only choices A and B and that's it, you know. But I, I, told, I told that surgeon, I had respect for him, I do, I don't despise them, they're doing their job. I said, look, I re appreciate what you're saying to me, I just need a little time to think about this, I'll get back to you. Okay. And so uh, we got in the car, and it was really quiet in the car. Me and the kids were in the car. We're driving back from Presbyterian Hospital. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, like I said before, we're driving through Mount Lebanon, Washington Road. And we're at a stop. We're at a red light. Stop there. And all of a sudden, they bring out somebody in a body bag from an apartment. 
You know what a body bag is? When somebody dies, right, and they're carrying them out, black body bag. And we're at a red light. We're looking at this. I never saw that in my entire life up to this point. As I'm watching this, I'm looking at this. The devil said to me in my thinking, my thought realm, he said, you're next. <laughs> I wasn't praising God. <laughs> now, I didn't, the family didn't hear it. Lynn didn't hear it. The kids didn't hear it. But I heard, it was just a thought, right? That's how the devil attacks you in your thought life, right? And the, 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 the doctor was like, if you don't do this, it's over basically, okay? You've got to have this surgery, you know? And, um, but I knew enough to say, to say, you know, I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to acknowledge the Lord in this situation, okay? I'm going to inquire of him first instead of just saying, yes, doc, whatever you say, bring it on, Okay? Say, everybody say pressure. Okay. I wasn't going to let pressure push me one way or the other. So we come home. This is on a Friday. I'll never forget it. And Brother Keith Moore, thank God for Brother Keith Moore, was ministering. Now, normally they, they broadcast his, he has Friday night services and Sunday services. That's what his midweek is Friday, right? And they still, to this day, they show them. Well, Rather than him being at his church, he was up at Lynn and Mac Hammond's church in Minnesota ministering that Friday night, but they still aired it so you could see it, okay? So obviously, we come home, you know, it's Friday night, and uh, we put Brother Keith Moore on, and uh, as he's ministering, he's, he's prophetic in the way he teaches, Okay? As he's ministering, he started saying some things, and it's almost like he came into my living room right there where my television set was and started specifically addressing things that I was dealing with. Now, I won't go into all the detail, but one of the things he said was, some of you are faced with a choice and a decision right now, and it looks like you have to take choice A or choice B, and neither one of them could be right. He goes, you listen to your spirit and you'll make the right choice. I got chills up my spine now that I'm thinking about it. The spirit of God told me in my family room where my TV still is to this day, the spirit of God spoke to me and says, I don't want you to have surgery. I will take care of you. Okay. Now, I told the family that they were sitting there. And I told him exactly what the Lord said to me. And you know what? The Lord touched me. And the Lord healed me. And I didn't have to go under the surgeon's knife. And I'm completely whole and made whole this day. And I give God the glory and the praise and the honor. Now, everybody say pressure. pressure. There is natural pressure. Because I'm thinking... You know, your mind says, you can't afford to make a mistake with this, Brother Keith. <laughs> you know, you got a wife, you got a family, you got a church, you know, and you make the wrong move here, you know, you're checking out of here basically, right? Okay? But uh, I, I made a choice. But it was a choice that wasn't based on emotion, it wasn't based on my thinking, it was based on seeking God with my heart.
King Asa and all of his disease, he didn't even seek the Lord. He sought the physicians and he left. He died. Sad, isn't it? But it didn't have to be that way. If he acknowledged God, the Lord could have said, do this and you'll be all right. Praise God. Folks, if you listen to God, you're going to be all right. Do you hear me? If you listen to God, you're going to be all right. If you follow him, if you do what he says, you're going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And the Lord wants to bring great comfort to those that are here today. It is going to be all right. It's going to be all right. He's going to go, he, he has your back. He's going to take care of you. He loves you. Praise God. And when I was in the hospital prior to going to, right before it, when it initially happened, I was on that hospital bed. This is before that I met with that surgeon, okay? This is right initially when it happened. I was laying on that bed, praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues. Praise God. Nobody heard me except God. I'm laying on that hospital bed up there on that 13th floor, whatever it was, up in Presbyterian Hospital. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and He says, I got your back. It's going to be all right. And, I, and I, I didn't see it, but I saw it. I saw the Lord smile, and He says, I've got your back. It's going to be all right. Do you know, in your spirit, you can see God. You can see Him. You can. What do you think you have an imagination for? God gave you an imagination to use to help you. And he'll put thoughts in your mind. You think, oh, that couldn't be God. Why not? God can speak to you. God can talk to you. God is talking, even today, in this service. He's talking to you. I know you hear me talking, but God's talking to you. He's speaking to you. I feel his presence today in this room, in this environment, in this atmosphere. Let me, let me tell you something. 2019, we have not seen anything yet. But I'm telling you what, we are going to see such an outpouring of, the, of God's presence like we have never seen before. When we come together, our gatherings together are never going to be, hey, they've always been good, but I'm telling you, we haven't seen anything yet. But all God's presence is going to come into these rooms like in our gathering together. And it's going to go from here out into your family. And you're, you're not going to leave the same way. You're going to, I'm telling you, you're going to leave with God's presence and God's power in your life. Praise the Lord. I'll close with this illustration. GPS. Everybody here, GPS. What's it stand for? Global Positioning System. My phone has a GPS. Most of your phones have a GPS. Okay? The GPS, I found out yesterday, there's basically there's 24 satellites that are in orbit around the Earth. 24. And they interconnect with one another. Okay? And that's why you can, if you have a GPS on you, your phones, have, most of them have GPS on them. You ever use your GPS before? All right? And, uh, but you know, that thing is guiding you from a satellite that's hundreds of miles up in the air. You can't even see it with your natural eye. That's satellite. And there's 24 basic, there's a few backups, but there's, they just sent one up recently from Florida off of uh, Cape Canaveral that has more technology than we've, we, you could even dream as far as like the, the quality of the, we haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> it's getting that much better, all right? But that GPS will tell you where you're at. 
and where you're going. I've, it's taken a lot of stress out of family trips. Because <laughs> we used to be, we used to go get, you know, go to Tripway, get the trip tick, get the paper out, right? Man, they're pretty much null and void now, right? I can speak into my phone and say, take me to so-and-so, and it'll start taking me instantly, okay? My, my point being is this. There's something in the sky that you cannot see that's directing you to go certain places. Our Heavenly Father is in heaven, and he, it's like a GPS. He's not a GPS, but you understand the concept. And He sees everything at once. Even our military, thank God for the American military. That's, you know, you know how many people will be in, their lives would be messed up and not even alive today had our military, the U.S. military, not intervened in certain countries? I mean, they're not perfect, but let me tell you something. We've helped so many people. Amen. Helped so many people. A lot of the technology that they use now has to do, even on the ground, is, is um, GPS, even on their equipment, on their helmets and stuff like that. They can be directed by other people to, to go a different places. It's a it's precautionary thing. It's a safety thing. Okay? Instead of just blindly walking into something, right? Now, I wanted to share that because here you have God. Now, this isn't sacrilegious, but he's like a satellite in the sense that he's the all-seeing eye, right? He sees everything that's going on. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. The scripture even tells us he's got the very hairs on our head numbered. Hallelujah. Now, I would say that's pretty intimate. Man, I love my kids. I love my wife. But I've never taken the time to count their hair. Because <laughs> it'll probably change in five minutes, right? But the Bible says God even has the very hairs on your head numbered. Hallelujah. Some people, that's a little more than most, right? <laughs> It's like one guy said, you know, God covered people's head with hair, but he, how did he say that? It was like, he made some heads perfect, but he covered the rest with hair. That's what it was. <laughs> but, uh, but the point being is this, is that we're talking about a God that's so intimate that he takes the time to number the hairs on your head. Only God could do that. And that God in the person of Jesus Christ loves you beyond anything you could ever dream, think, or imagine. He loves you more than anything you can. He is passionate about you, every one of you here. He is that in love with you. And He wants to be your guide. He wants to direct you. Maybe you're not used to that concept before. Like, well, you know... I've just kind of done my thing and gone here and done, did the best that I could. But the whole concept of yet letting God guide me and direct me in every area of life is a little scary to me. Folks, it's the safest place that you can be. It's the safest place you can ever be. God guiding me. God directing me. God directing my steps. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's one of the greatest benefits about praying in the Spirit because you're homing in that satellite. You're homing in Spirit Channel. You're right directly to those, that, that language. You're praying in tongues in the Spirit. You're praying to the Father. And the Bible says He will lead you supernaturally. 
Whatever you do, don't fight tongues. Because if you do, you're fighting God. There are people that radically fight Christians. Blood-bought Christians that fight against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they're actually fighting against God. Make no mistake about it. They're fighting against one of the most perfect plans that God has for the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, but Pastor Keith, you know, do I have to have the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? Do I have to speak in tongues to go to heaven? No. He might go earlier. <laughs> There's a built-in GPS on the inside of you. And the Holy Ghost is His name. And He will guide you in the affairs of life. He will guide you. He will direct you. Praise God. You can avert problems. You can avert accidents. You can avert tragedy by listening and here. It's happened to me many, many times through the years. The Lord said, don't go here. Do this. Drive this way instead of this way. You know? And to avoid an accident that was going to take place there. Hallelujah. But, you know, I don't want to become so headstrong that I miss God. I'm going to close with this little, little story here. Back in 1987, 1987, I started our first church that we had, okay? And I uh, was asked by, we had a, a pastoral fellowship of guys that we would meet with once a month. Pastors from all around the city. Actually, like a 60-mile radius around Pittsburgh. We would meet and have breakfast, have lunch, lunch together. And so it was, it was a good thing. This is years ago. Some of those pastors asked me to, uh, to go on a, uh, um, a raft trip on the, the Ohio Pow. Have you ever heard of that before? It was a raft trip. These are rapids, okay? And so uh, I had never done that before, so I said, yeah. Sure, count me in. Okay? And uh, and so this is, like I said, 1987. And then uh, when I uh, came home with the news to my wife, I told her about it, you know. And she was excited. She had done canoe trails and all that kind of stuff in her life. So she was real familiar with that kind of stuff. But I, I had never... I'd never done like whitewater rafting before. I'd never done that. Okay. And so I was completely green. I was completely new to this, you know. And, uh, but, you know, after a couple of days went by, my wife came to me and uh, she said, you know, Keith, I'm really feeling odd. I'm just feeling funny. I really feel like you're not supposed to go on this trip. Okay. And this is in the summer of 1987. And, um, but my macho image rose up. I said, oh, it'll be okay, Lynn. It'll be fine. She goes, no, I'm really feeling grieved about this. She goes, I feel really grieved about this, you know. I don't think something's right. And so here you have the head in your spirit. My head was saying, we can handle this. I'm going with a bunch of ministers, right? <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. So she goes, no, I'm really feeling funny about this, you know. And, uh, 
And then she took some time that night. She, I remember her praying in our house where we lived, this rental house we lived. She started praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. That's the first time I didn't want to hear her praying in the Spirit. <laughs> She's praying. The, the Holy Ghost was giving her the unction to pray, right? And she goes, I just don't feel like you're supposed to go. I said, ah, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You know, because my flesh was pulling me. You want to do this? This will be fun, right? Okay? So... This is the first time the Lord had super mercy on me because I went up, to, I went up there to this place, you know, at Ohio Piles, about an hour drive from here, up in the mountains. Anybody ever been there before? I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful to this day still. It's gorgeous. But, you know, they had, uh, there's a dam up there that they can control the rapids. In other words, as far as the, the, the water force, how deep it is, how fast it is, the force, in other words. And so they were, they were uh, opening up the, the, the dam, so to speak, and letting more water out so that there was a, the current was much stronger than normal. Okay, it was very powerful, all right? And so I went up there again with these, these pastor friends of mine, and uh, there was probably seven or eight of us, I guess, something like that. And there was a gentleman in my church that went with me. He was one of my, one of my uh, deacons in my church, actually, that my head usher. He went with me, you know, and, and he, that man knew how to swim. He was like a lifeguard and all this stuff, you know, and scuba dived the whole nine yards. You know, he was used to that kind of stuff. Well, I thought when we went up there that we were going to get in one of these eight-man eight rafts, right? So we're all together. Okay, that was my concept of what we're going to do. I didn't realize that they're going to get, they called these ducky rafts, was a one-man raft. Okay? And we got up there and we're like, oh, so we're not going to be together. We're going to be by ourselves. <laughs> and, uh, and, a, and it's much smaller, too. It's like a kayak, right? So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a little apprehensive about this. I'm thinking, well, you know, because when you start out, it's real calm. It's real calm. But they, they have to teach you, they have to teach you these lessons before you actually, before you actually go out, you know, and they give you a laminated map. And you're supposed to put that between your, in, in your, your, your raft, right, to see. Because what it is, is there's certain rapids, you have to know where you're going to go, how you're going to navigate through it, you know. And there's names for each, each one of them, right? There's names. And so... It was like, oh, this is no big deal. We got in there and just a little trickle, you know. We, I was like, this is really cool. But all of a sudden, we started, as we went down, a mile or two down there, I came to one set of rapids. It wasn't too bad, but I fell out, okay. I got caught and the wave hit me, the, the water hit me the wrong way, and I, I jumped out, jumped right back in, you know. I thought, ah, that's okay, you know. And then we came down about an hour and a half into the, the, the raft ride. We came to a rock called Dimple Rock. That's the name of it. It's still there to this day. Dimple Rock, if you've ever watched the news media, they've, they've had many, many people die on this spot through the years. It's very dangerous, okay? And there's double hydraulics, you know, with the water. There's a rock that you have to avoid if you can, this massive rock, you know, and it's just, it's super challenging, okay? It's not for inexperienced people, which I was, Okay, And they said, the first thing you don't want to do is you don't want to put the nose of your raft into that rock. You want to go away from it. You want to paddle to the left so you go down. Okay? See the picture I'm painting? And, um, and so it was my turn. We did one at a time, and there was people on the rock waiting and stuff like that. And uh, 
And so it was my turn. They, they signaled me to come, you know, and from up ahead, you know, and, and you could hear the water was so loud. It was like Niagara Falls. It sounded like it was, you could hear the water. And you could see the mist coming up. It's kind of freaky, you know. And um, so as I'm, as I'm going down there, I don't know what happened, but my nose of my raft went right into the, that rock. It was like I couldn't avoid it. It's like the very thing they told me not to do, I did. <laughs> and I, my nose of my raft went right into it, and it flipped up over my head, okay? And all of a sudden, I'm under the rapids. I'm, I couldn't. I was, the raft was on top of me. I could not come up. I tried. And I'll tell you, folks, my life flashed before me that day. I literally have never had that happen to me. My life flashed before me. I thought, this is it. You know? I've only been married a couple years, and this is it. I mean, my life is flashing right before me. And I tried. I couldn't move. I couldn't get up. Okay? But I think there was some type of an angel or something under the water that pushed me and propelled me forward, and I popped up downstream. Because I could, not, I could not get, and that's where people, and there was probably at that point over 20 people that perished that died on that spot. Okay? Well, all of a sudden I'm thinking, maybe my wife was right. <laughs> you know? Perhaps she was right. You know? And I'll tell you, I popped up downstream and one of my pastor's friends was down, he said, man, you looked as white as a sheet. You looked like you saw a ghost or something, you know? I said, yeah, you know what I mean? And I'll tell you what, it so terrified me that I, instead of, you know, the, it wasn't over yet. I mean, we still ought to get downstream, right? I said, forget this. I'm not getting back in that thing, you know. I picked that little raft up, you know, put it on my back, and I was carrying it down the rocks. And I walked to the very, I mean, it was a couple miles, and I'm walking with this hot raft on my back, walking down on these massive rocks, and someone says, be careful, there's poisonous snakes in there. I said, I don't care. <laughs> Bring them on. <laughs> you know? And, um, but it, it, was, it was absolutely the mercy of God because I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't get out of that position. And there were many people that perished. That even last year I heard on the news on Channel 11, they said, well, here we go again, Dimple Rock people, some more people died. They won't change it, they just keep it the way it is, you know? But, I don't know, I wasn't planning on sharing that, but the Holy Ghost was trying to show me that there was a dangerous situation for me. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I know about me. And the Lord was trying to protect me from that. And it was His mercy that literally got me out of that situation. Well, you know what I did after that? I repented. I said, oh God, forgive me. First of all, thank you for sparing my life. Because I wouldn't be here today otherwise. I really wouldn't. But I believe that through for my wife's prayers and interceding and praying for me, standing in the gap for me, it saved me from death, premature death. It did. Okay? But I wanted to share that to say this. The Spirit of God is like that GPS. He's on the inside of you. And if you listen to Him, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger they won't follow. If you're saved, you've got Jesus, the shepherd, the GPS. He's on the inside of you, and he will lead you and guide you. And I want to close right now in prayer. Praise the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
I thank you that he leads us, guides us, and directs us into all truth. And Lord, as we leave here today, may we be ever so conscious of the built-in Spirit of God that lives inside of us, there to guide us and to direct us. From this moment forward, we will listen more intently to what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.